Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the show. Got a great show planned for you. And uh, caffeine is kicking in, so rocket fuel. We're going to be taking off soon. <laughs> um, so y'all know the drill. DMs. Always open, 24-7. We got your back covered. If you got a question for us, drop it in there. Always anonymous, always confidential. Love to hear from you. Want to help you problem solve a little bit. You're helping others as you're helping yourself. So put those questions in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. You can also drop in there any topics you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. It's all good stuff. I'm all about that repetition anyway. You got to build those things in. Um, I was kind of sharing that with a, with a client this week, a patient of mine, and I've shared this on the show before that remember the reason why I'm all about repetition is the world is always taking us away from the important things we want to remember and practice. Heartbreaking, but that's how it goes. We don't have the most psychologically minded or mental health centered norms and values out in the world. Um, so my favorite example of why repetition is so important is not only because that's what the brain literally needs to encode and hold on to things. Same with our nervous systems, uh, repeated experience that can work for us or against us to, depending on what that is. And that's why as adults, a lot of the things we're struggling with, um, whether we can see the direct connections or not, are as a result of the families we were raised in. You know, people that are constantly talking and talking loud and talking over people, well, it's because they might've been raised in a family where everyone was always interrupting. It was also very loud. And that was the only way that they could get their voice heard or their needs met. So they were trained and built that way and run aware of ourselves. That's a rough example. Um, Things like that. So it's not, you know, we can't always connect the dots deeply, but other times we can. So what am I saying? I'm saying before you necessarily pathologize someone in your life or pathologize or shame yourself, we first want to build in a little bit of empathy by saying, I wonder why it is that they came to be that way. We always want to build that in. That is my job working in psychology is to say what occurred that made this person that way. That's the case for any bad behavior or good behavior, for any personality disorder or addiction. It's not a disease, these things. These aren't just genetically driven. They're usually based on the environments we are a part of. Someone who's struggling with their relationship to drugs and alcohol, it's not because they have a disease, it's because they're raised in an environment or they're part of a life that they don't want to be a part of. They have faulty coping mechanisms. They were raised in a family of trauma. Their family didn't ever teach them how to self-soothe and take care of themselves. They're afraid of people. I don't know, but we have to look at what was going on in their early life or their present life that has made them the way they are. No one wakes up and says, I'm going to be difficult for those in my life. No. Someone who's narcissistic, what trauma or negative events have occurred that have made them live in the way in the world that they do, that they have these behaviors that we have decided to call narcissism. 
or borderline. That is not a kind of person. Those are behaviors that are the result of a trauma. Those are not things that come out of a happy life. And we want to have some empathy for that. As, as we also hold people accountable for the way that they're impacting people, it's both. And a lot of people don't want to extend that understanding, but I do, and that's my job. And I will always want to understand what hurting has caused someone to hurt other people. That is why I'm a psychologist. I care about the psychology behind something. People get frustrated by that as though it's giving someone a pass. No, it's called understanding and insight. Yes, I want to you know, bring some empathy while also holding them accountable. Um, which is why I love these beautiful concepts, fierce compassion. That's the work of Pema Chodron, who's an American Buddhist nun. Beautiful, beautiful writings, and that's one of the things she drives forward, which is we can be compassionate, but do it in a very fierce way, which means holding people accountable and setting boundaries and taking care of ourselves. Very fierce, very strong, very empowered, but also has compassion woven in. I understand why you're doing what you're doing, but that doesn't mean it's okay, and that doesn't mean I'm not going to stop you from creating more harm. But I can also have some empathy for the wounding that you might have that has built you to be the way you are. That's how it goes. But back to the repetitious part, which is why I love repetition. And I'm always saying to everyone, the quality of your life is rooted in the quality of what you're practicing. And we have to practice being better. And if we don't practice, then we're not getting better. And that is because, drum roll, we think about the D.A.R.E. program, that program that's supposed to scare kids straight. Uh, sometimes we'll take them into prisons and say, this could be you, stay off drugs. And we take them around to prison to scare them straight. There's a TV show about it. Or the D.A.R.E. program where they'll drive a you know messed up car that was you know all beaten up due to a drunk driving accident. And they'll say, this is what happens when you drink. Well, the impact of that, the meaning of that lasts for a few hours or a couple days. But a week later, if there's no repetition, repeatedly having that fear brought up or that reminder, it drifts, it weakens, and they're drunk driving within a week. And that's why those programs don't work. They only have an impact for a short period of time because they don't practice it. There's nothing reinforcing that. There's no repetition. That's why people go to church every Sunday to repetitiously be reminded of how they want to live and think for those that are, you know, really truly doing the work of Jesus. Uh, same thing with 12 steps. So that's why people repeatedly go to be repeatedly reminded how to think in a more sober based way. That's why people go to therapy every week to repeatedly be reminded. We need that repetition. So that's why I love doing love line. I can constantly weave in some of the same concepts, you know, um, the quality of your life is based on the quality of your practice. Same thing through relationships. So we got a great show planned for you. I wanted to open the show when we come back talking about some different ways to really analyze our depression. Depression's a very powerful thing. It's a very scary thing. And we want to really look at what might be going on in our lives as to why we are feeling the way we're feeling. And there are some key core concepts that we want to kind of examine and say, hey, maybe it's more of this, you know? Um, so we're talking about that and a whole range of other things, especially those DMs. So again, got a DM, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Stick around though, y'all. We got so much more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around because uh, we'll be right back. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all right y'all we are back and uh we're going to start by looking at some of the causes of depression as a way to understand how we might move towards some solutions um, a powerful article dropped that was challenging the serotonin theory, which has been challenged for a long time now. We, we don't actually know why depression is caused or, or how it exists in the brain. Um, we have different medications and different theories. And we don't, we can't necessarily know because everyone's depression, just like everyone's alcoholism, is going to be driven by something different. For some people, it's faulty coping mechanisms. For other people, it's a trauma response. For others, it's an attempt to have a transcendent experience. For, for some, it's just a habit that they need to break all different reasons. And so we're going to talk about some of the possible reasons as to why some people are depressed. So again, I'm not anti-medication by any means. I think anything that can help us, we should take advantage of. And medication is an important part of some people's mental health, period, end of story. Um, but we're going to look at some of the more social psychological causes that then have a direct solution. Because for a lot of people, it isn't a brain disorder. It isn't something that's about their serotonin or dopamine levels or any other neurotransmitter. And it's not necessarily going to be solved by medication, though medication can still, in some cases, help by shaving down some of the sharpness of that, but that doesn't necessarily change something. Someone can be both be having you know an issue with their mood and also having some chronic dysfunction in other areas and no antidepressant is going to change your behavior. That's going to fall on us to do. So as a psychologist and a therapist, this is the work we want to look at. So this comes out of a lot of different people's research. Um, you're going to be familiar with some of this. So let's look at the first one, which is some people just haven't created the kind of life that they want to be a part of. And I see that also in some people that struggle with it addiction. So a lot of this is going to be applicable to generalized anxiety, depression, addiction, just general anhedonia, which means just not finding joy or pleasure in your life. It's because some people haven't built a life that is about joy or pleasure. They're living a life that they don't want to lead, a life that isn't rooted in what's meaningful to them. And so you want to first ask yourself that if you're not feeling great over a longer course of time. 
is my life the kind of life I want to lead? What do I want to be doing? And sadly, for a lot of people, the job they have, the relationship they're in, the structure of their day or their life isn't what they want or what's meaningful to them. Therefore, they're going to always feel a little bit of some flatness or depression around that. They're getting up to go to a job they don't want to be a part of. They're coming home at night after their job to be a part of a family or a home life they don't want to be a part of or a marriage. No medication or cognitive reframing is going to change the reality of that. You actually are going to have to do the difficult work of maybe changing your life, lifestyle, relationship, or job. That is just part of it. There is no therapy or pill that is going to make you feel okay about something that isn't the kind of life you want to live or be a part of. So it's got to always be the first question. And that's a hard thing for us to reckon with because then it really points us to one solution and one solution only. And we often want a lot more options. And so that's part of it. What is your life about? And is that the kind of life you want to live? Is it worth feeling good about? I say that all the time, even about eroticism. Sometimes the sex we're having isn't worth wanting and that's why we don't have the desire for it. Sometimes your partner's a jerk and they're not worth you wanting closeness or pleasure with or from. And it's very reasonable and meaningful. Same thing with our lives. You have to, to wake up feeling good, you have to feel good about what you're waking up to be a part of and participating in, period. I can't make someone feel okay about something they shouldn't. So that's sometimes what we have to do. It's part of long-term sobriety, building a life that's worth staying sober for. No one stays sober if their sobriety is about being more present in a life that makes them miserable or they're unhappy within, period, end of story. There's a whole theory and psychological practice built around it that never really took off. And it's born out of the work of Viktor Frankl, Logotherapy, and it's about building a life of worth and value and that that's what will keep you mentally healthy and alive. And he did work looking at people that thrived and survived in the concentration camps, which dear God in heaven, imagine pulling that off. How, while in a concentration camp, do the Jewish people find a way to feel any sense of joy or pleasure or happiness or sense of you know worth of life. But those that were able to make a higher meaning out of their struggles were the ones that survived because the meaning you make out of something, and we choose the meaning we make out of something. We decide to make a positive meaning, a negative meaning, but the meaning we make out of something will determine our mood and how we feel about it. Because events occur and often they're neutral. And I'm not saying the concentration camps are neutral because those are all bad and all violent and all oppression. But that is not the life for most of us. Most of us are living lives that are neutral and we determine the meaning we're going to make out of it. And that's going to determine our mood and our mental health. So try to add more flexibility to that. Something occurred. And that's why on the show... I'm always hitting this without hitting it directly when I remind everyone to right size things. Hey, something happened on a scale of zero to 10. What's the appropriate level of response based on the true severity of what happened? If you bumped your leg, sorry, y'all, that's a two or a three. Crank your response down. You spilled coffee, two or a three. Someone ate your lunch, a three or a four. Calm down. Five and above is for violence and oppression. And for most of us, thankfully, that's not anything we're encountering. So part of this work is right-sizing things. Some of us are always catastrophizing everything, and that is why our lives are miserable or depressing, because we aren't living in the reality around the severity of what's actually happening in our day. I also remind us to not make a bad moment a bad day or a bad day a bad week. You spilled your coffee. That doesn't mean the whole day's ruined, but some of us think in those terms. We've been raised or trained to think in those terms. So we have to pay more attention to the meaning we're making out of things. We have to right-size things. And some of us, that is what our depression or anxiety is about, a misapplication of that. So ask yourself that. 
Am I living a life that's catastrophized and dramatized? A lot of us, that's the answer, yes. And for some of my patients, that's what the work is, getting them really leveled out and giving them a more realistic barometer to assess what's going on in their lives. Because for some of them, their lives are awesome. They're unhappy when they're single. They're unhappy when they're in a relationship. They're unhappy unemployed, and then they're unhappy what's going on at the job. They just always apply a negative lens on everything. They always catastrophize everything. Oh my God, I can't believe I have to send another email. Really? Big deal. It's 30 seconds. You have to move your fingers on a keyboard. Calm down. Some people's jobs are, are literally rooted in danger. Dangerous jobs or literally are taxing on their bodies and we're upset about our fingers having to type over a keyboard and send an email. We gotta, we gotta right size some of these things. All right, we're gonna come back and talk more about some of the reasons why we are maybe in depression or depressing ourselves. Stick around for that. And then of course some DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around y'all, we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we're back. And we're talking about how for a lot of things in our lives, the problem is the perspective we're placing upon it, that we're dramatizing, catastrophizing, and it's not a biochemical issue. We don't need a medication. Um, we are getting in our own way. And, and I want us to make that the first point of, of tack, uh, the first point of solution finding. It, is my life as bad as I think it is? Sometimes it is. And the work is about changing your life, not finding a way to make peace within it. Sometimes you got to make those big, bold changes about your marriage, about your job, about your identity, whatever it is, uh, stepping into your gayness, stepping into your queerness of realizing your gender, diver whatever it is. Sometimes that's the work and the feelings that are making us feel depressed is about us not taking action for others. It's sometimes the depression's about the perspective we're placing. We're on things where things are at like a level two or three, but everything we crank up and we catastrophize it. We dramatize it. Spilling coffee is not that deep. You know, a lot of things that go on in our lives aren't that deep. People complaining about their jobs or their relationship. And you're like, that really isn't that deep. And we want to right size things. We want to be, make them a little more reality driven. Things are often not as bad as we think they are. And at times they are. And then it's worthy of a higher level of response. But check in on that. It's called right sizing it. That's my soundbite. It's my gig. I'm always saying to people, right size it, right size it. I had to apply that to my own life. And then I started to realize that in the course of what comes up in my life, most of the time, nothing's life or death. And I had to keep reminding myself that I rarely have to deal with or go up against things that are truly life or death. And yet I'm responding and acting as though often they are and they're not. Ask yourself that. Are the things you're often upset about, angry, frustrated, are they li truly life or death? Mostly for us, thankfully it's not. But yet we're acting as though it is. Let's reserve those for if and when that actually is what's, what's happening. But for most of us, it's not that deep. Oh, they were out of the sandwich I wanted on my lunch break. Calm down, you'll be okay. Oh, I spilled some coffee on my new white shirt. Calm down, you'll be okay. Oh, I, you know, I dinged up my car. Okay, calm down, you'll be okay. You can still drive around that way. But yeah, I didn't wanna have to pay that money. I get it, but calm down. Got a parking ticket. Okay, maybe I'll read the street signs next time, but it's not that deep. Or maybe it is, because that's a financial struggle. And then it's a call to action. I have to pay attention more to where I'm parking. I can't accommodate every possible situation, but check in on that because that is the cause of some people's depression. Okay, then we have to also look at the fact that for some of us, it's the relationships that we're a part of. We are still allowing toxic, problematic people to be a part of our life for whatever reason. Maybe it is time to end that friendship. Maybe it is time to get out of that marriage. Or maybe it's time to actually have an honest adult conversation and ask for the necessary changes. Because sometimes we victimize ourselves 
by staying in relationships with people that are oppressive or problematic when we need to exit instead of waiting for them to be better or different because maybe they aren't going to be or maybe they don't want to be. Maybe they're not ready to be. So sometimes we have to make that decision. It's a hard one. So again, we're looking at, am I living a life that's meaningful and important to me? We're also looking at the fact, am I dramatizing and catastrophizing things? And now we're looking at, is my depression or my mood issues or even my drug and alcohol stuff because I'm a part of relationships that I shouldn't be, that aren't good for me, aren't right for me, that I don't value, that I don't find joy in. Ask yourself that. And we have to deal with the hard answers and what those answers then request and demand of us. That's why a lot of us don't wanna do this deeper introspective work because if I acknowledge these things, then I have to take action to make change. And I'd rather just maintain the status quo because it's more comfortable, it's safer, it's more comfortable, it's familiar, but that just keeps those symptoms going. No medication in the world is gonna make that okay or change that for you. No cognitive reframe or treatment is going to make that make sense. You have to actually go out and do the difficult work. And that's sometimes what comes up with my patients in therapy is telling them change is required. We can't talk this out. You have to actually go do something. <laughs> and that's hard for us because we all have that window of tolerance around how much discomfort and anxiety we can handle and tolerate. And we have to expand that whether we like it or not. Because as I'm always reminding us, the quality of the people around us determine the quality of our life and our mental health. And so sometimes that's the assessment. And then I always wanna tack on social media and the media we're looking at matters too. Are you looking at and watching things that make you feel bad because it's a life you can have or used to have or want to have? What are you looking at and how's it making you feel? I always have to make sure I'm calling that out because that's a new thread that didn't used to exist in the ways that it does now. So do please take a moment and ask yourself that. The minute I open my phone, am I left off feeling better or worse? Because a lot of us are following things that our lives will never lead, lies and things will never have, things will never be, and we don't need the constant reminder and the comparison. That has to be a part of the discussion around mental health. And I will bring it up every show if I have to, because that was a huge turning point for myself, right? Unfollowed all the things that don't have a positive impact, that don't make me feel good, and that aren't effective in helping me be the way I want to be. I don't need my, my beautiful or questionable mood ruined by seeing some things that don't feel good for me or take me into a headspace. I don't need to see someone's gym body and then pulling up their shirt and showing their abs because I don't need to see that. I don't care about that. I don't value that. I'm not impressed by that. And I don't want to be then even checking in on my own body and thinking in those terms. That's a rough example. So I unfollow all that. I don't care about that. I don't value that. I don't even want to think in those terms because that has nothing to do with anything. That's not an achievement in my mind. All right, we're going to come back and focus on some DMs. Y'all, so stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right. This one says, oh, it's a long one. Hang in there, y'all. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm trying to set a boundary with my wife and her family, but it's not working. All right, we'll come back to that, because often uh, we set boundaries, 
very few people are healthy enough when a boundary is set to say, okay, disappointed, frustrated, might not like that, but I hear you, I honor that. Most people, when a boundary is set, they think you're being mean or they're being controlling because they're not familiar with them or think they're healthy. And so what people don't always recognize is we set a boundary and then we have to hold it. We can't expect other people to always hold it. So if you say to someone something like, hey, I'm not willing to have this conversation, then your mouth stays shut. But if you then start engaging it, you didn't hold your boundary and you wanted them to hold it, but yet you weren't even willing to hold it. And here you are talking about what you said you weren't, but you're upset that they're still talking about it. You have to hold your boundary. Dr. Chris, if I say to someone, yeah, you know, I'm not comfortable answering that or talking about that, you'll see me sitting there in silence, <laughs> not talking about it because I said no, you know? Let me hear a little bit more though. You said, uh, trying to set with them with my uh, wife and her family. I love her parents from a distance. Uh, I think a lot of us can relate to that comment, that qualifier. They're always, they've always been very hard on me and our views don't really match up. So I've made it a boundary where, unless it has to directly do with me, I don't really wanna hear about it, which has been working. Okay, I'm not 100% I'm not clear on what that means, but we'll go with it. You said, I'm informed on the important things and keep out of the petty family drama. Got it. You're like, hey, <laughs> tell me anything that's meaningful, but if you're upset or frustrated with another family member, you're basically saying, I think you don't need to tell me about that. I'm staying outside that, which is really healthy because you're actually calling something else out. They have poor boundaries even outside of you in that they gossip, it, it sounds like. Um, if someone has an issue with, with someone, a healthy adult goes to that person and says, hey, what you said was upsetting or disappointing, can we talk about it? They go directly to the person. When we go to other people to gossip, that's a form of gossiping and bullying that falls under some emotional and psychological abuse. That's not a healthy system. If you're ever on the receiving end of that, it's okay to say to a friend, I'm here to process, I'm here to listen, I'm here to support, I'm here to help you figure out how to go about having that conversation, but you also say you need to go share that with them. This isn't, you know, sharing it with me and complaining with me isn't resolving it. So always send them back. Okay, back to the question. You said, well, my wife just told me last week that her parents are retiring and she invited them to stay with us for six months. I feel like the boundary was definitely crossed and she didn't even ask me if I was okay with it. A boundary was crossed. Everyone's feelings are as legitimate and as meaningful. And if you live with your wife, which I'm assuming you do, you do have a right to weigh in on who visits where they stay and how long they stay. No one has a right to make that decision. It impacts you 100%. When I'm in a relationship living with someone, 100% I need to be consulted about someone even coming over to hang out. I wanna know. I get to have a right and to weigh in on that. So that is a boundary violation. You said she didn't even wanna tell me until everything was official. Yeah, that's a manipulation. I'm upset, she didn't even ask. Uh, feeling hurt by it and I still have to deal with her parents. What can I do? Well. It sounds like this is a couple that's gonna be in your life and maybe you can use that time where they're gonna stay with you to learn how to hold those boundaries, set those boundaries, and maybe even find other parts of them that you enjoy. I think the bigger point is to have a discussion saying, I don't wanna make a bigger deal out of this because the decision's been done and it'll cause a lot more trouble and drama to uninvite them. But moving forward, I also live here and it's an act of kindness, care, and compassion for you to consult all parties that are living in the home if someone's gonna be coming over or staying with us, even with roommates. It isn't okay if you have a roommate, for that roommate to just bring people over, have people come stay. You, you live together. You are sharing hallways, kitchens, bathrooms. Everyone needs to be consulted. So set that boundary saying, if we're going to live together, I need to be brought in on decisions about who's coming and exiting this house. 
but don't be mad, be sad and disappointed. This isn't, you know what I mean? And, and, and make your needs known. So it, it, this is really more about a learning moment. So things can be better next time. Otherwise, probably not worth trying to uninvite them. And um, it's their family. They're important to her. Out of compassion, be willing to be uncomfortable with their presence in service of what your partner is going to value and feel joy from. So allow it. You're, it's okay that you're uncomfortable. The issue is the boundary violation and we can learn from this and be better next time. All right, y'all, if you got a DM for us, a question, a topic, something you want us to hit, drop deeper into, circle back to, put them in the DMs on our Loveline IG page and past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Stick around, y'all. We got so much more to come. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And uh, prior to the DMs, we were talking about causes of mental distress and depression. And now we're going to talk a little bit about how to support those in your life that are struggling with those things. Because when we're in relationships with people, they do need to be able to count on us um, and their mood impacts us. My God, I love the work that's coming out of relational neuroscience, how not only when we're in a uh, primary securely attached with someone, do they impact our heart rate, the release of hormones, our blood pressure, our mental health, literally, directly, but just sharing space with someone does that. We mimic people's facial expressions. We can take on their moods. It's called social contagion. It's called limbic resonance. Yes, people can make us feel certain ways. That's a human that that's how the human body works. Our brains and our nervous systems are social organs. They're meant to hook on to other people. So that's a healthy system, which is why I'm always advocating for us to take that more seriously. So what am I saying? I'm saying that someone's mental health impacts you and you impact them. And if they're struggling, they need us to be there for them. It's called borrowed functioning. That's a healthy thing. When we're lower level, we need someone to help us. Co-regulation, borrowed functioning, lift as we climb, be an anchor for someone. So we do want to be thoughtful about how many people around us are struggling because that can negatively impact us. And we don't want to only be around people that are having poor mental health, but those that are struggling do need those of us that are doing better and higher functioning to be there for them. That's called relationship. That's called being family, friends, or a partner. So I want us to acknowledge the importance of that, but that it's even more than just what you think it is. It's deeper. Your, your, your physical presence, your slower, healthier, more calm nervous system will help soothe and calm theirs down. So more is happening than what you're saying, how you're showing up, how you're occupying space, what's happening in your own body is an important part of this. And all times you're around someone, people can make us anxious. Yes, they can make us sad. That matters. So we're not talking so much about ourselves. We're talking about today, how to be there and how to be better for others. So the first thing you want to do if someone in your life that's important to you is struggling with their mental health or depression specifically, let them, let them talk about it. Your, your job isn't to make them feel better. Your job isn't to help them get over it. So you don't want to say, let it go. You don't want to say things will be okay. You don't want to hand them a box of tissues. Those are all ways that we shut them down and we say, and we're basically saying what you're going through is hard and confusing for me. And I want you to just stop. We don't want to stop them. We want to support them by saying, tell me more and empathizing. That sounds very hard. Don't give them a silver lining and lie and say things will get better. Maybe they won't. We don't know that. That's not what they want from you. When someone's sharing emotional material, they need emotional responses. Don't go into logic. Don't go into problem solving. Don't try to fix it. Just sit there and hold space. Just listen. Just nod along. Just say, tell me more. At best, empathize, saying that sounds really hard. Don't make it about you. Don't tell them that you've been there as well. Don't tell them a funny story that connects or relates. That's you taking the mic away from them. Let them sit there with the microphone, metaphorically, and just keep sharing and just hold space for them. 
because the clients will say that. Oh, I have to go visit someone in the hospital who's struggling. What do I say? I say, say nothing. Just be there with them. Be in it, be there, be in it with them. Hold their hand. Tell them, I want to hear it all. Tell me more. That's what they need. Presence. Someone to hold space. Don't try to shut them down. Don't try to fix because then it's about you and about your discomfort around what they're sharing. Let them express what they most need to know is that it's safe to be that way. It's safe for them to feel those feelings, that you're there for them, that they're not alone in this. And your, and your continued presence tells them that. But you trying to shut them down or make them smile by saying, it'll be okay, or let's change the topic, or here's lots of tissue, stop crying. That is you telling them what they're feeling isn't okay, that you aren't able to be there for them, and you're maybe also communicating to them that others can't either. So just let them process and let them share. Also, we need to be patient. There is no right length of time to go through something. And I'm sad that the diagnostic manuals made up these random, arbitrary, made up lengths of time that we're allowed to grieve for or be depressed. Otherwise, it's more problematic. There is no right way or time. The stages of grief aren't even real. The stages of grief, the Kubler-Ross, five stages of grief were about people that themselves were going towards death. It was about going towards death. It was not about grieving someone's death. It was about you yourself moving towards the end of your life. So it actually isn't meant to be applied to someone who's grieving the loss of someone else. And those stages aren't the ones everyone's going to go through. And we're not going to go through them even in that order if we go through those. There's other stages, different stages. Sometimes you'll cycle through all of them. There's no right length of time to struggle with something. So we need to move away from that. It's okay to be grieving as long as you need to grieve. It's okay to be depressed as long as you need to be depressed. We don't need people or a diagnostic manual telling us, oh, time's up, or that's long enough. Yes, we want people to help us still function, but I don't want us to shame in that way. So you have to be patient. You think it's hard for you? It's even harder for them because they live in it and they feel it. And they're already worried about being a burden maybe. Accept it. Accept and allow and have patience. Those are the keys. Support them in sharing and accept and allow. We're going to come back and talk more about some of the other ways we can be there for someone who's struggling and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, things you want us to hit, things you want us to circle back to, drop deeper into. Past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down there for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Lots of great stuff because as I'm always reminding y'all, it's about the repetition and more importantly, the quality of your life. It's based on the quality of your practice and also what you put your attention and your focus on. So come back and put it on me. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we're back and we're talking about how to best be there for others when they need us at difficult times. And we have to be selfless. It's not about us. It's not about how we feel. It's not about a story we want to tell about how we've been there as well. Nope. Let them have the microphone. It's about them. Because the first thing you need to do when someone who you care about struggling is just let them share and process. Don't stop them. Don't shut it down. Don't try to make them feel better. Don't try to fix it. Don't tell them things will be better. We don't know. Let it be. Let them just be where they are. They need to know that their feelings aren't too much for people. They need to know that there's someone there with them. They need to know they're not alone in this. Then we want to work on just being patient. We have to accept and allow. We don't know how long this is going to go on for. There's no right length of time for these things to take. There's so many factors that determine the severity and length of time that someone's going to experience a difficult emotion. And there's no such thing as a bad or negative emotions. They're just, they're just energies in our bodies. And we have to get familiar with all of them. We don't want to amplify them. We don't want to deny them. We want to just allow them. 
So that patience piece is hard because maybe you're tired of it. Maybe you're burnt out. Maybe you're ready to get back to life, but that doesn't mean that's where they're at. Um, and we also then want to celebrate when they are able to do well. You know, I love it when people are able to carve out a little joy or a little happiness or a little bit of mastery in difficult times. That doesn't mean we're over it. doesn't mean it's gone. It just means that although it might feel small and insignificant, that there is maybe a little bit of movement. And I like that reminder that even in difficult times when things all seem bad, that we can still maybe find space or step into a little bit of joy. So allow that. And that can be confusing. Ah, someone just died, but yet I see you laughing. That's strange. No, it's not. We can hold both sometimes. Let them hold both. You know, take that moment with them. That that That's something that not everyone's familiar with, but I... I don't know if I shared this on the show or not, but it was something that stuck with me all the way since grade school. I remember in grade school, a fellow student had a parent that died. And I remember like a day later or later that day, uh, she was out on the playground laughing, having fun. And people were so disturbed and bothered by that. How is she able to do that? Why is she doing that? Her parent just died. And I was like, let her, let her just have her moment. She was able to access a little bit of joy and time away from that. My God, that's going to be with her her entire life. Because... We, we might move forward in our lives after we lose someone important to us, but we don't ever get over it. Those memories and feelings are always there. Their absence is always acknowledged. It becomes a companion with us on our journey. Moving through something doesn't mean we forget or don't care. Let that, let that little girl have that moment in space. My God. But people were like believing there's some right way she should be acting at that time. There's some right thing for her to do. There's no such thing as that in mental health. Let people be where they are. Our body knows what we need. And if we just let it follow its natural course, all is well. The problem is when we try to fast track it or shut it off or hurry up and clean it up. That's our obsessive productivity-based optimization, toxic optimization culture and capitalism. Hurry up, get back to work, get back to the job, you know, clean it up, fix it up. That doesn't work like that. Sometimes our depression is going to be there, our grief and loss longer than people are comfortable with. So, and that's the problem with some therapy. People are like, how long is this going to take? I don't know as long as it needs to take. Your body gets to determine when it's ready to release and move on. I will not force that. I don't know how long this is going to take. And we have to stop trying to quickly fix and clean up and give me a quick pill or a quick treatment and let's be done with this. That is so dehumanizing. That is really unhealthy for your emotions and your body. Let it take its natural course. But I appreciate that our structure isn't set up to allow or honor that. We want you back to work on Monday. We don't care. You know, there's certainly the time after you have a kid that you should be back at work. There's a certainly the time after, you know, we're not even allowed a lot of us to take a mental health day. A lot of people don't feel like they can tell their school or teacher or job. I'm depressed today. I can't come in. We're like, ah, figure it out. Hurry up. Heartbreaking. We especially don't want that from those around us that care about us. So hold space as long as it takes for yourself and for those around you. We don't get to hurry up and get our life back like that. That's part of that patience and acceptance that I talked about earlier. But feel free to talk about it. We want to be able to engage it. We don't want to be in relationships with people where it's scary or forbidden to talk about how they feel, which is why I say all the time, say to someone, how's your mental health? which is a way to say more than just, how are you? Which means they'll say good. But when you say, how's your mental health? They'll actually tell you. I want to normalize people saying, I'm feeling depressed today, or I've been anxious all week. I do it all the time. Some people, it throws them off. They're not used to hearing truth or haven't actually sit in the acknowledgement that that happens for us. Especially when we need to explain to someone why we can't be a part of something. Hey, I can't make it to your party Friday. I'm depressed. Hey, I couldn't make it to that thing last night because I was feeling a lot of anxiety. 
I had a mental health issue. You'd, you'd accept it as a physical issue and my leg fell off. Well, my mental health is the same way. Sorry, my mental health wasn't great. Couldn't make it. That has to be normalized and acceptable. And I want people to actually advocate for themselves. I can't make it because of my mental health. And that has to be allowed and accepted and digestible and normal. But we have to start to lead that charge by talking more about it. So ask, normalize, discuss, share. I've been doing that. It throws people off. I, I'm not going to say too much more, but I had a professional thing that was scheduled and I said to them, you know what? Unfortunately, we're going to have to reschedule that because I've been struggling with my mental health and that floored them. And I was like, yeah, being that transparent, I need to take care of myself. I can't, I can't, I can't follow through on that thing I committed to. It's not good for my mental health, which is why, um, when people from the Olympics and even some singers are canceling tours or not participating in the Olympic event because their mental health is off, I am so here for that and I'm proud of them to say, my physical body might be able to do it, but my mental health matters just as much and I have a mental health injury and I need to prioritize that. And I don't care if it's the Olympics, I don't care if I have to go on tour, my mental health matters more. Bravo. I want us to use that with school and with work and in relationships. Sorry, mental health need. And for us to all go, I get it, because we've all been there and we all will be there. So normalize that at least in your relationships, having open discussions, not shaming or stigmatizing those discussions, and also figuring out what it is people need and how, how we can best help them thrive within all of that. You know, that's part of being in a primary relationship is learning your partner's owner's manual. What do they need in those difficult times? Sometimes the best thing to do is to ask. I had an ex who used to always do that and I loved it. I was always asked when I was having a difficult day, what do you need from me? And it took us right to the solution. I was able to say, I just need you to listen. I just need you to sit with me. Or I need you to go get me some vegan ice cream and make me smile. Go get me some donuts, rub my feet, whatever it might be, you know? All right, stick around. We're going to come back. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Oh, Rachel, we're back and we're talking about how to support someone's mental health, talking about just normalizing, being there for them, holding space, not rushing them, not shaming them, not pushing them further along than they are, but accepting and allowing and normalizing, discussing it and uh, honoring whatever their needs are and asking them maybe what they need from us. You know, we're just being in it with them. It's probably one of the most healing things that we can provide. We don't want to make it worse. Um... And outside of that, we can just model for them healthy coping skills, especially if it's a child. Uh, the best work around mental health is letting people know you can feel a certain way, but still participate in your life. You can feel a certain way and still live from your values. You're de you can feel depression and still go out in the world. You can feel anxious and still go out in the world. We do want to work on unhooking from our feelings. We are raised in our culture to think if I'm angry, then I need to act angry. If I'm sad, then I need... We can feel something but not amplify it and deny it. We can feel something and say, and I'm still going to act from my values and my ethics. So that's a little bit of a sidestep because that's not really necessarily going to apply to something like depression, although I do remind clients that. What's most necessary in depression is for us to work against some of the symptoms. We're going to have some catastrophic thinking. Really make sure you're building in some reality testing. You're going to have what we call behavioral deactivation. You're going to want to lean away from the world and do nothing. Try to plan small things that you can do to feel like you're moving to feel a sense of mastery still see if you can go to the grocery store still see if you can get out of the house still still see if you can at least take a shower we do want to try to move a little bit forward um, and we need those around us to model that especially like i said for children um, we do want in difficult times with our mental health help people maybe set a little bit of a routine or a plan 
But again, we want to ask them if that's something they're open to. And if we ourselves are struggling, try to be open to that. That's a way to not depress ourselves when we're depressed, because that's the only fear I ever have, is if you're feeling depressed, don't further depress yourself. If you're feeling anxious, don't further make yourself more anxious. We want to do a little bit of the work to help ourselves along while also allowing and acknowledging. We can do both, believe it or not. And that's, that's what we want to focus on. That's what therapy is about. Honoring where you're at and also seeing what's possible to help being a part of your healing process um, while, letting, while honoring what our body's needing from ourselves. We can still, like I say, carve out some time for joy and pleasure. You know, um, we don't have to always occupy the emotion that we're, that we're really dealing with or struggling with. It's, it's, it's still validating it. It's not an invalidation. And for some people, some of these mental health issues are things that are going to often be a companion in their life and on their journey. We have to find a way to still participate meaningfully in our life while acknowledging that it's there because we can both feel our feelings and honor our depression while still participating in our life in the meaningful ways we want to. Those aren't antithetical to each other. We don't have to necessarily act depressed while feeling depressed is what I'm saying. And that's surprising to some people. We somehow think, oh, well, then we're not honoring our depression. Yes, you are. You're just not acting it out or further depressing yourself. Be sad and maybe sometimes still go to the dinner. Be depressed and sometimes still go see that movie. We can do both. We can still feel our feelings and honor them, but not necessarily live and act from them. And that is what mental health really is about. Acknowledging, but still living from our values and our ethics. We'll talk more about that than we have in the past, but that's part of it. And still allowing the possibility of shift and change, kind of staying soft and staying open. And that's confusing for some people. Um, and that's why those around you can model that. Hey, you're having a really hard day. Do you want to go for a walk? We're taking that hard day with us on that walk. We can do both. That's us practicing some of that cognitive flexibility. I know you're depressed. Do you still want to watch that movie? Because we can be depressed and still sit together and watch that movie and hold space for maybe the movie giving you a respite from that depression, maybe even making you laugh. We don't have to drop deeper into. So remember that, that flexibility. But again, I just want to add in the caveat that we're doing all this while taking things seriously because people need to know that their feelings are valid. We're not trying to ever deny that. And also letting people know that we're there for them because those are the two things that can amplify or make things worse, feeling alone in it or feeling like people aren't taking it seriously. And of course, if it extends beyond that for a period of time where you start to feel like you're really losing important things in your life, you're not able to get your activities of daily living done and all of that, well then definitely consult a mental health professional um, because that can be something that can provide for us um, more hope uh, more support and even maybe some more tools than we have access to. It's okay to say I might need a little bit uh, uh, of some professional care that friends and family or myself can't provide. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, when in doubt, go to therapy, always. It's not going to harm, it's only going to help. Um, so, you know, be open to that. Um, also, I like some of the reading materials. I'm not opposed to a little bibliotherapy, sometimes reading and doing a little cognitive behavioral therapy on ourselves. Um, can be very helpful because sometimes we are dramatizing, catastrophizing. We need that reminder to do a little bit of that reality testing. So all of that. All right, y'all. Coming up next, going to be doing some DMs. So if you've got a question for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, or maybe it's a topic you want us to hit, circle back to, drop deeper into. Put all that also on our Loveline IG page in those DMs and past episodes of the show. Always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. Take me with you on a journey, you know? 
Um, but stick around. We got a whole lot more to come. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back, y'all. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. All right, y'all. We are back. And now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Let's see what we got. This one says, hi, Dr. Chris. Um, I'm 34 years old, just learning about attachment styles. Makes a lot of sense given how my last relationships have ended and how my marriage is going. I try to bring it up to my partner to talk to them about their attachment styles, but they usually want nothing to do with the conversation and ask me why I can't just be happy we're together and not go deeper into it. I'd really like to get deeper with my partner, but I keep getting shut down. So the issue isn't really about attachment styles. It's about your partner's lack of willingness to be transparent, vulnerable, and have a truly intimate relationship. Because again, intimacy is built on dropping deeper and sharing more vulnerable parts of ourselves, parts of ourselves that maybe make us anxious, our partner's anxious. So I'm going to assume that this is how they are around other topics. I can't imagine that they're just, you know, um, specifically bothered by the idea of talking about, you know, relational and attachment styles. So you might have a bigger issue. Um, how long has this been going on for? And like I said, is this how they are around all issues? I'm going to assume so. And if it's just around this one, that's the question. I appreciate you say to them the boundary that you don't want to talk about it. Can you help me understand why you don't want to talk about it while not talking about it? That's fine. But help me understand what about this topic is specifically problematic because I want to know what other topics maybe aren't comfortable for you. But my issue is this is someone who wants a low level of intimacy in general. And that's going to be something you're going to bump up against in other ways at other times around other topics that are important. So yeah, it's a little bit of a concern for me. There's no reason why we can't drop into that stuff. And I think that's you wanting to be known more. It's how we bond. We bond over things that are deep and vulnerable. You know, like I always say, having fun with someone is awesome. And that is one level of bonding, but we feel safer and closer when we've shared these deeper parts of ourselves. So request it. Uh, talk to them about how important it is for you. Talk to them about why you value it. Give them examples of what that's like and try to build that in. All right, we got time for another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I have three kids with my husband and they are everything to me. Lately in the past year or so, every time I start my period, I am unhappy. 
A lot of my thoughts revolve around how I wish I could homeschool my kids because I'm afraid of everything that's going on in the world. I feel like I can't even catch a break and I'm not really able to sleep at night. Is this normal? Yeah, I think it's very reasonable. When someone's on their period, they have hormonal shifts and changes. But even bigger than that, we're living in a world where we're constantly being bombarded with news of how unsafe the world is. The world is unsafe. No one knows what's going to happen at their school right now. I'm constantly seeing shootings at schools. So I think that's legitimate. I also don't value a lot of what's going on in the curriculum and the changes they're trying to make. I think I'd want to homeschool my child. Um, I don't currently have any children, and I think I'd want to homeschool them as well. I don't want them not learning about white supremacy and racism. I want them to learn topics that are important. Right now, the way the educational system works is it's like a banking system. We just input information in their heads. We teach them no critical thinking. We don't teach them to challenge anything. We speak completely in absolutes as though this is the way, and there's only one perspective, but that's not true. And we often come from a white cis hetero perspective on everything. So I think you're right. I'm not saying you should homeschool, but I think there's a reason to. And if you want to do that, do it. Do it. Your kid would be safer at home. Maybe learning the kind of education you think is important to them. Uh, making sure they're still getting socialization outside of that. But I don't hear anything wrong with your worries. That is a reasonable thing going on based on what's going on in our world. Um, there's nothing pathological or disordered about appropriate feelings based on the reality of what's happening around us. I'm worried and I don't even have a child and homeschooling, I think is a great idea and a very reasonable thing. And I think it's adequate for a lot of people. So consider it, talk to your partner about it. How would they feel? Talk to the kids. How would they feel? Maybe everyone's on board and you do that. You'll feel safer and more comfortable. I get it. The world's different now. The world is completely different now. Our expectations are different. Our levels of safety are different. Um, honor those impulses. Yeah, I'm not going to talk you out of that. I can't tell you, no, 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 school's safe. No, it's not. They're working on it. I can't tell you that the curriculums that they provide are the best ones because in a lot of ways, I don't think they are. Um, yeah, we're not going to get deeper into it, but I have a lot of issues with the educational system. And as I watch other states want to control how things are presented, remove the existence of LGBTQIA people, it's quite, it's quite problematic and scary. So good luck with that. Let me know how that goes. All right, y'all, if you got a question for us, topic, something you want us to hit, drop deeper into, put it on. Put it in the DMs on our love line. IG page want to hear from you. Questions, topics, things you want us to drop deeper into. And past episodes of the show are always over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for love line and click on it. You can binge, post, re-listen, and share. We'll be back tomorrow night, so join us then, y'all. Be kind to yourselves and those around you. As always, thanks for hanging out with me and for letting me be a part of your journey. Y'all have a good rest of your night. Have a good night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. Hey. 